Welcome to the Church Safety Guys broadcast with hosts James McCarvey, Paul Buckner, and Mike Scully. Together they make up the Church Safety Guys, their mission to inspire, influence, and impact church safety teams. Join us for the next hour as we talk about all things church safety and security. Don't forget to like our Facebook page, join one of our church safety and security communities online, and share this broadcast with your church. Well, good evening and welcome to the Sunday night broadcast of the Church Safety Guys. I am James and I'm joined by my co-host for the evening, Mike. How's it going? <laughs> oh, you're on mute. <laughs> 65 and sunny today here in Texas. We're finally uh, on the great thaw of 2021. So we're getting out of the uh, the craziness, but pretty good. So uh, I uh, we've in a, in Ohio, we've had low low temperatures just like everybody else and um you you know the backstory. I was in a a small accident in my neighborhood a couple of two or three weeks ago and, and my truck was in the repair shop. And so they did a fantastic job. They cleaned it up. They detailed it. I picked it up and that was the day that the Midwest got hit by that freak ice snowstorm. Mm -hmm. So I had to thaw it out today. I haven't had to use it. I had to thaw it out today to drive to church. And while I was um, directing traffic at church after the service was over, um, the sun had been coming out, you know, the sun was out because it, it actually got up to like 24 today <laughs> and, and the sun was shining on it. And I'm standing there directing, you know, the out, outbound traffic and I hear this crash and it startled me like I jumped and I turned around and this whole sheet of ice from, you know, from the hood of my, uh, my truck slid off and then the the sheet on the roof slid off <laughs> it was just a, it was just a mess but my truck looks clean now because there's there you go. <laughs> it was covered in ice <laughs> there's no more ice on it yeah we're so. we're melting today which is good but for those that i think it's probably been on national news but texas a lot of texas has been in blackouts and all sorts of boil water notices and all sorts of cascading issues uh, so it kind of disaster level but what most of the country doesn't realize is texas doesn't have plows they don't have ice melt they don't have yeah. shovels and when you combine the fact that nobody could prepare the roads with all of the the power outages and everything else and then supply chains started having problems and so the grocery stores were getting runs and running out of stuff and literally so it's just kind of a cascading almost i would equate it to almost like a hurricane level event of what hit, hit Texas. And sure. it's gonna be weeks digging out of a lot of that. I mean, we got trees down all over the place. There's uh, travel lanes still impassable. Um, hmm. the, the church had a little bit of flooding. We had the fire department in and they broke a couple of our locks in order to get to some of the different uh, things they needed to do shut off. So we quite an eventful morning. <laughs> It, it was funny. We were talking about it last week, and I, one thing I hadn't hadn't even thought of. You mentioned that uh, the houses aren't insulated for that temperature, and I was watching on the news, and I saw someone ripping away sheetrock, and I'm like, "There's nothing in there." No. <laughs> so I'm like, then I'm like, "Oh wow, Mike wasn't lying." <laughs> no, I mean, when the average annual temperature is is 55 to 60 degrees. They just don't yeah. build it that way. And I mean, part of that is why the construction cost is cheaper and things like that, because they're not spending all that additional layer of, ins of insulation and they're not building roofs to support the weight load of snow. Um, right. So with that, let's bring our friends from the north in. <laughs> <laughs> from, yeah, from up in Wisconsin. <laughs> but yeah, I will bring in, uh, we have Jason and Scott joining us today. So thanks guys for for hanging out with us. Um, Jason. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no. And, and, I, and I see Scott's even representing the Badgers there. So yep. uh, good, good on you. I appreciate that. This, uh, born in Wisconsin. So I, I'm, I'm going to appreciate that tonight. 
<laughs> well, I was. I, you guys have been on the on the broadcast before, and certainly, you know, last year at this time, we were we actually did the broadcast live up by you guys in Wisconsin because of the the uh, conference you put on. Um, <clears throat> but just for for folks that might not recognize you or know who you are, uh, Scott actually helped us with the protect and serve. Uh, so he's got uh, a piece of that um, that he contributed to that. So definitely check that out if you if you have a copy of that devotional. And then uh, Jason is with the North uh, Northeast Wisconsin Technical College. That is a mouthful sometimes. <laughs> right, right. But uh, we were talking about the the subject of uh, doing assessments. And of all of the assessments that I've ever seen, and, and honestly, and, and I mean that sincerely, I don't, I can't think of two guys that do a more thorough assessment. I mean, you, you guys tag team it and it's like the ones that I know that, that you've sent me Jason before were like 40 pages. <laughs> See, you guys are like the experts on assessments. So I was like, you know what, we need to bring need to bring them back on to talk about it. So anyhow, I will, uh, I'll throw it over to you. And uh, I guess, Scott, you can start and just if you would just uh, tell folks your background and, and a little bit about uh, SAFE in Wisconsin. Sure. Um, I'm a retired Milwaukee police officer, uh, actually out on duty disability, uh, and uh, moved up to uh, the northern part of Wisconsin at the right time uh, and got involved in church safety about four and a half years ago while sitting through a service at our own church. We had an incident happen where a gentleman stood up and just disrupted the service. We huh. had no security, no nothing. And after it was over, I, I looked at my wife and I said, weren't you scared? And she's normally would be white knuckling it. And she said, no. And I said, well, why not? And she said, because I know you'd have done something. And then, and shortly thereafter, the first church uh, safety and security conference started. And I attended that one. And from there, it just snowballed. Uh -huh. Cool. Cool. I, uh, yeah, I know. Um, just from from the sake of things happening, a lot of times that kind of prompts us to to step in and set stuff up and and move forward. So, fortunately, fortunately, nothing serious happened, at least in that situation. But uh, Jason, why don't why don't you go ahead and tell tell us your background just a bit? So I um, was in law enforcement. Uh, I had close to thirty years in. Uh, worked for the Fox Crossing Police Department, which is kind of, um, oh, it's about a half an hour south of Green Bay. Uh, in my time there, worked patrol and then moved in the last half of my career in detectives and community policing, uh, more focused in the community policing and the crime prevention. Uh, we started to do a lot of security surveys down here for businesses and uh, was working them as a team, several of the local police departments, our crime prevention partners, and we would work these as a team. And we we were pretty successful. It, it really was kind of happenstance because um, my two colleagues that were in the um, adjoining cities had different backgrounds. One worked in the school as a school resource officer, so he kind of had the, the background of, a, of an office person. And then the other one was uh, used to be on SWAT. So he's looking at it from a tactical standpoint. We all kind of played off of one another really well. We were looking at different things and picking up on things. That other then in May of 2015, um, uh, the worst thing happened in our community, and we had an active shooter incident where four people died. Uh, that really hit home. Uh, that really opened up a lot of our eyes, you know, because everybody pretty much is, ah, that's not going to happen here. You know, as much as we prepare and plan for it, it's still in the back of your mind that it really isn't going to happen here. Well, when it did, I mean, that really was a punch in the in, in the gut. 
So um, businesses really started picking up on, on that, and and we started to get real busy with the um, uh, security surveys. So we used the security, we used the act of threat as a foot in the door to get in to do that security survey. But when we were in with these businesses, we would look at it more of a holistic standpoint and look at uh, what their procedures are. We would look at ways to prevent other types of crimes, uh, burglaries, thefts, vandalism, any other type of incident. I ended up retiring from the police department, oh, was three years ago now, and took the position up here and continued to carry that to do those security surveys. I mentioned about the House of Worship conference. We started that three years ago, my first year here. Um, that, that actually was probably one of my first events, if not the first event that um, I did. But, but how that came to be was Sutherland Springs. When that incident happened in November, I mean, that was so I, I was in the detective division at that time. And we had a discussion, the three of us, the three of us inside typically did not carry off duty. So we thought, oh my gosh, what would have happened if we were in church? You know, and you're trained and you're for 30 years, we carry a gun on our hip. I can't imagine being in church and something happened and we couldn't do anything. Hmm. Well, that kind of was the spark to get this House of Worship conference going. We've been running it for three years. Last year, we had 250 people attend. Um, wow. It just keeps growing in size. We're very blessed to have vendors, to have sponsors, to offset um, the cost of this and make it virtually next to nothing to be able to attend You know, with, with what you get, the knowledge and the takeaway from it. So at that conference, that first conference, I still like doing security surveys. I miss that. That's one of the things I do miss is the crime prevention. So I... <laughs> There's times where I speak before thinking. So <laughs> I offered in my district, and Scott's not as that oil. You're in good vocabulary. <laughs> um, so I offered to do churches. I would do a security survey for a church in our district, mind you, because uh, I was going to travel all over. But if you're in our college's district, I do a survey free. Well, I've done 33 <laughs> since I started, um, including the cathedral. I've done the Catholic diocese up here. I've done um, little small churches. I've got um, a shrine on my horizon. I, I've got a few um, others coming. So we go into these churches and um, sit down and meet with the pastor and meet with the elders and meet with somebody from the security team. Just kind of look at their procedures and policies, take some pictures, put a report together. He's being generous. He, he spends a lot more time than just <laughs> sitting down chatting and putting a few pictures together. You've seen some of those reports, Jim. <laughs> I have. I, yeah, that's why I said I, I don't think I've ever seen somebody do one as detailed. And, and honestly, and I'm not. I'm not joking or exa ex exaggerating. Um, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with several different uh, groups around the, you know, around the U.S. where folks have said, hey, you know, this is what this is what our uh, assessment looks like. And when um, Jason sent me one um, a couple of months ago and when I started reading through it, I mean, there were there were things and items and suggestions on there that. I was blown away because I would have never thought um, just just different angles. And it's not, you know, Paul always says, like when he's on the show, he always says, you don't know what you don't know. And so having somebody come in, um, even if you're not, you know, not in Wisconsin, not in the, the Green Bay area to, to reach out to these guys, having someone come in is a very helpful um process because a lot of times, you know, we're, we're so focused on what's going on, you know, with the services and ministries and everything else right here that we're not, you know, stepping back and looking at the whole, um, the whole big picture to, you know, to adequately assess stuff. 
So you know, I go back to your comment about how in depth his reports are. I've seen other assessments that are basically check off the box, and he goes into great, great detail explaining everything. Oh, sure. A, a lot of that, I mean, it, it comes from experience. It comes from responding to burglaries. It comes from thefts, from disturbances. You know, so, so I mean, you look at the two of us and the collective, I mean, we got, I don't know if I should say it out loud, but we got about 60 years of experience between the two of us, you know, and, and, and honestly, Scott, probably a little bit more because of Milwaukee and the um, you know nature of the incidents there, but you rely on that. Um, but you know the ultimate goal with doing these security surveys, which I like, is prevention. You know, ultimately we want to detect, deter, and deny a person from striking our church. You know, we don't want to. There's 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 such a focus on how do we react. Or what do we do? Which, 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 very important, very, very important, very critical. But honestly, don't we want to prevent it from happening? Don't we? We don't. We certainly don't want to ever have to draw our weapon or, or even confront anybody. You know, or get into some sort of verbal, you know, altercation. We want to prevent that. And then the other aspect with these is we focus on the recovery. You know, that's another thing that's missed too. And and. And honestly, I never thought of it until we had our active shooter event in our community and the impact and how do you recover? How do you deal with, with that? You know, so it's it's really a holistic type of approach, but it's brought from experience. And I know that there's a lot of agencies, you know, so so we I took our plan that we do here and I teach a three-day class. So I teach a class that's about twice a year. I teach a class to officers on how to do this, to go out into their communities and do that. Because they're really the best people to be able to do that based upon their experience and their knowledge and their access to information and to crimes and stuff that's going on in that neighborhood. Um, so we do make a concerted effort to get our partner agencies um, to be able to get out there and um, meet with those churches and meet with those community organizations. For sure. I've, I've actually had um, recently, and I'll, I'll throw it over to Mike, I've had uh, a few local departments actually reach out to me. And one of their biggest concerns is they've said, you know, we have uh, we have churches that are reaching out to us to ask us to help. And we don't know, like, we don't know how to help. We don't know where to start. And uh, and so one one particular agency is a, is a pretty well well-off agency and um, they have, you know, synagogues, some cathedrals, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I've been able to step in and, and kind of help them along, but it, that's, that's what kind of opened my eyes to what you were just saying about training departments, because honestly, it's not, it's not bad. It's a different, you know, it's a different reality that we're in now that we have to look at, at different things like that. So, Mike. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 great that you're you're out there kind of teaching that prevention component because I feel like so many churches that I've talked to and see are on a they're almost floating week to week to week and they're on a, what I call in a corporate or technical world would be an incident something happens so and that's that can be a loss of service that can be some sort of impact to your service whatever that might be and but they they treat the problem and not the symptoms that caused it in the first place. And so in tech, you, you, you take that incident a bit further to a problem and you mm -hmm. investigate root cause. Mm -hmm. Once you find root cause, you put mitigation efforts in place so that it doesn't occur again. And I think that's what's really key. I think what we see in churches is that it's, it's two components. One, it's most are volunteers and they never get to that level of maturity of being able to invest in that sort of focus because they're showing up on Sunday and it's great. We need every single one of them, but they show up. It's 10 minutes before service. They're thrust with a radio and a, and a tag for around their neck. And they're quickly said, Hey, go, go, go to the right side. And sometimes we don't even get a chance to pray with them, let alone 
have meetings and trainings and get to the degree of not just, all right, here's the, here's the business we have to get through of what's going on in our church. And did you see this? And you get beyond that. And then you go to the day for, you go to the range for a day. We're not necessarily in our churches getting to this degree of talking about that prevention, going from response into prevention. So I'll let you expand upon that. But I, I find that that's such a need in the, the church world. It is. You know, you you take a look at there's the incident down by um, James just a few weeks ago with the protesters at yeah. that church. Um, and, and, and granted, I don't know the full story. I just know what was on the news. But um, chances are that probably could have been prevented or at least those people deterred on getting in if they would have placed, you know, some staff members, some uh, greeters or ushers or the security team, whatever they have there, uh, at the front doors and maybe secure those front doors, we could have deterred them, denied those people from getting in and disrupting that service. Um, you know, getting into and just working with these churches, it every, it's it's so interesting. They they're thirsty for knowledge. You know, so so you go back to our three our last three church conferences, with the exception of last year that James was at, but the two years before we had ice storms, we had snowstorms. Both of those, I kid you not, both of those had days where the school, our college was canceled. Fortunately, our event was offsite. So technically I didn't fall underneath the dirt or the, the, the school rules. Mm -hmm. So we rolled the dice and said, let's go. And we still had tons of people come, which is a blessing because these are the people that are not told to go to the training. They want to be there. So yep, we found that, that churches want this. They want this type of um, training. And ultimately, if we can prevent anything, and Lord knows how many incidents have ever been prevented, but um, it's preventing is sure worth the recovery or the reaction yeah. component. Yeah, sure. Scott, you wanted to jump in? Yeah, I, just to go back to um, the relationship with the police departments, um, Jason and I this, this past week uh, were contacted by um, one of the lieutenants from the largest uh, municipality department here, Green Bay, um, thirsting for training in this. They reached out to him for that. Um, I probably will be going one day this week with the lieutenant. He's going to a church, wants me to sit down and discuss safe with them. Uh, it's a working relationship that we see growing immensely. For sure. Yeah, I think it's interesting because the um, looking at or thinking about the the seminar or the the house of worship conference last year um honestly there was so much content in that <laughs> i mean just the the aspect of i think i think one of my favorite parts was the having the fbi agent there um to explain some of the bau you know bau stuff and and that whole component um, that was amazing to me. And I sat there and I learned so much and I'm pretty sure my team is, is tired of me talking about it. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's, you know, there's, there's always something that you can be learning. And so when you have, um, when you have a situation like that, and, and in a lot of cases you're trying to help churches that don't have the resources or, or, you know, don't have an elaborate budget to just do some common practices. Um, the assessment is, is an amazing tool that can help them get started on the right path for sure. That, uh, that church that you mentioned earlier, Jason, down in, in Columbus, um, it's interesting because they originally had nothing, um, and they had reached out to um, an officer that's a friend of mine and myself and had said, you know, we want to put together a safety or security team. And um, 
so we had been kind of working with them, but you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's funny because I had people reach out to me and they, they were like, well, the officer was just standing there. He was in the middle of the sanctuary. Why didn't he do this or that? And I'm just like, well, you know what? You don't, we don't, I mean, you only see what's recorded. You don't always ever see the entire piece of it, but having it just kind of, I don't know, cemented the fact that having someone outside or doing an assessment, having someone at the doors is far more important than, you know, a lot of times we, we like to think it is. Um, and that was kind of with that situation, that was kind of evident that the, that the folks ended up getting all the way in almost to the front of the church before, you know, before somebody responded and, and did anything. But <clears throat> The reality is if you don't know, and again, with the assessment piece of it, if you don't know what to look for or what to think about, because like Mike said, you're just, you're volunteering because you want to invest your time. You want to, you want to do the best thing. Um, but if you don't have the knowledge, then where, you know, where do you start? Where do you, where do you go with that? Yeah, that's, you know, so, so we look at, we use crime prevention through environmental design techniques when we go in and do these assessments. One of those techniques is access control. Uh -huh. So think of a church, all right? Now access control. Actually, let's let's go back and think of a school. All right? A school years ago when all four of us were in school, it was pretty <laughs> wide open, right? Yeah. You know, our mom could bring cupcakes at whatever <laughs> during the day for our birthday. And walk in. I mean, seriously, right? Could yeah, be cones. In, not a care in the world. In ice you know? cream cones. And bring ice cream, and ice cream cones. There you go, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so it must be a Wisconsin thing. I just get the yeah, ice cream cone out. So, and, but, but times have changed. So yeah. now access to an elementary school or any school for that fact is difficult. It's layered. It's controlled. We have to take that to a church. Now, a church is different because what is a church? A church is open by virtue, right? Open, everybody right. come in, welcome you. Um, often, I mean, I've been in churches where, man, they have like seven entrances, you know, scattered all over from up in the front by the sanctuary to the back, wherever, the sides. We have 23. You got 23. Oh, oh, man. <laughs> I'm not coming down to do a survey, James. No. Um, no, so, so how how do you control that? You know, how do you see who's coming in? How do you control that? It's so hard nowadays to get people to be ushers and greeters, let yeah. alone to be security. You know, so you have to rely on all of those people to take a position and greet. And, and watch people coming in. Well, if you have 23, I, I, that, that's not going to happen. You know, sure. so with a lot of these churches, we tell them, let's, let's limit the number of, of openings. Let's, let's, let's limit the number that people can come in. And uh, you can do that relatively easy without making people traverse really far. Um, sure. But then you have those entrances monitored, you know, and, and something like that happened in the cathedral down in, in Columbus. Mm -hmm. That's something that, you know, if they only had one or two entrances there and had an usher, a greeter or whatever, watching that, they could monitor and see what was going on. So that's one of the things that we work with when we do these security surveys is, is how do you control that access? Now, now, some churches are going to the point where after the first hymn, they're locking her down. Yeah. It's outdoors locked. Um, but then some churches are like, I just don't know if I'm there. Me personally, I just don't know if I'm at that point where we need to lock doors. I mean, I get it from the security. The cop hat in, in me is is all for it. But the church guy, I'm just, I'm not feeling it. It should be open. Um, yeah. But we have to take steps to, to be able to, to watch that. And I find that some of that is driven off of uh, volunteer strategies that aren't necessarily looking at a, a not just because they have so many doors, but adequate staffing. Period. Mm -hmm. Looking at it from a standpoint of what are what's the objective of what we're doing as a, as a any ministry, not just security team, but look at any ministry and say what's our objective, what do we have to cover, what are we trying to do? 
but then planning your schedule in such a, in such a way that maybe says, okay, we're going to try to schedule for four doors, but you know what? If we get three, these are the first three we're going to open as we get teams arriving on Sunday morning. If we mm -hmm. get enough, fine, we'll open the fourth door, but understand that this door may not be always open. So if it's locked, that's why. And it's just about communication at that point, but it's having those plans in place for staffing, resource planning is where they look, need to look at it. And I think the challenge there is, again, it comes back to volunteers and you're having volunteers that have never been trained in resource planning, trying to staff a team for an unknown set of positions that fluctuates. So again, it's consistency and communication, but yeah, to your point, Jason, it's, it's that access is that starting point. We need those choke points so that we can control them with people, not just with technology. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and then on top of it, too, you throw in, honestly, you throw in COVID and, you know, all of a sudden it's like half or, yeah, a third of our church isn't there anymore, which, I, again, I'm not I'm not trying to say it's it's a conspiracy or whatever. I mean, whatever, however, however you fall on that spectrum um, with COVID, I'm just saying as as an operational standpoint you know what what we've had to do and and we did it today was a few of our safety folks also turned into greeters right because we do that anyway but we've you know i've worked with several of the pastors over you know our first impressions ushers greeters teams to kind of blend some of that and say look you know what you're standing by the store you're watching you have a radio on but you can you know, you can greet people as they come in. And I think, I think it's working really well. Um, but I think that, I think churches are having to be a lot more creative with that, with that process and um, just trying to understand that. We'll, we're going to go ahead and take a quick uh, sponsor break. And then when we come back, we'll talk more about uh, the assessments and um I want to talk a little bit about safe too in Wisconsin and, and uh, just kind of mention, give you guys the chance to talk about that a little bit too. So um, hang with us and we'll be right back. With over 50 years of experience with religious and nonprofit organizations, Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates understands that your congregation is different from a traditional business. We're here to fulfill your needs, coming to you while creating a personal plan for your budget and size. From your local community to around the globe, we are advocates for you. Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates, your partner in service. is a nonprofit organization dedicated to help inspire, influence, and impact church safety and security teams. We are about all things church safety and security, which starts with a ministry mindset and a servant's heart. We're protectors, guardians, ambassadors, and shepherds. We help church and place of worship safety and security teams all over the United States through our broadcasts, online communities, conferences, trainings, resources, and products. Help us reach more churches in impactful ways by considering becoming a monthly ministry partner. $2, $5, $20 a month will help us continue to provide these resources.
Okay, so welcome back from the break. Uh, real quick, I did just want to make an announcement. If you're if you're listening to this at a later time um, on YouTube or one of the podcast uh, platforms that we use, um, the movie that we have coming out, um, Miracle on Fourth Street, that's actually coming out this Friday, uh, and so that'll be available uh, to to stream on demand uh, through our website and through our uh, Vimo account. Um, so if you have any questions about that or you're, you're interested in uh, checking that out, uh, that will be out, uh, like I said, this Friday. We'll be releasing it, and then I think we have it about a week. Um, but uh, definitely something worth, worth checking out. So we are, we're talking tonight uh, with Scott and Jason, and uh, we're talking about... Uh, handling property assessments. And so I wanted to go back. We were just talking about having somebody at the doors and, and um, kind of juggling that. But I want to go back real quick, uh, Jason. What, what are some of the simple things that, uh, that you look at when you do an assessment that maybe the average person doesn't always see that, that you can mention? Uh, you know, it, a lot of the the big differences can be made in procedurally, uh-huh. not so much physically. Um, you know, so we look at that. We we look at our, our do we have people monitoring those doors? It doesn't necessarily have to be a security person. Greeters, you know, how are the greeters interacting with the people? You know, they the the minute that you communicate with someone or you or you say hi or a stranger you know whether they're there to come to church or they're there for something else, you know, just by what their reaction and what they say back. So it's teaching the people how to pick up on those clues. Um, Simple things inside the church, you know, just as like locking doors in after hours or, you know, using the locks and stuff of what you, what you have there. I used to do, I was a crime prevention reporter for one of our local TV stations here for a number of years. And my chief always used to razz me on being on there saying, how often are you going to tell people to uh, lock their doors? You know, and, 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 you know, and I would say, well, it's a little bit more than that, chief. But, but I mean, he really did have a, a point. But we go into these surveys, you know, we look at the outside, the outer perimeter. We look at getting into the building and we look at within, you know, what, what are we protecting um, asset-wise, from parishioners to the offering to the items in the sacristy, you know. So, how are we securing all of those? Uh, you, you, you made reference, James, about um, always learning, you know. And I, I've done, I've done well over a hundred security surveys as a whole, from high-rise buildings to um, a little 1800s church way up north, um, and I always learn. I mean, I always learned. So, so a recent church, I believe it was the report that I sent you. One of the reports, it was a church that was built uh, in the '80s, and it had that architectural design where the landscaping was sloped up about halfway up towards the wall. And then there was a little bit of windows, and then you could get access to the roof. So the church, the people were very paranoid about somebody getting access to that roof, particularly an active shooter. And start shooting down. Well, the odds of that happening are slim. In fact, going back to 2000, there's only been three active shooters from an elevated position. Everyone has been. But not to say that somebody couldn't access and break into the church through that way. So, so learning, you know, I'm always learning. You know, so I look at that and I'm like, all right, I got a conundrum here. Let me think, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm never afraid to tell folks, you know, write down and I'm throwing out ideas and I'm like, let me think on this, you know, I'll get back to you. So what we ended up recommending, one of the recommendations they had a previous person come out there and do the assessment was to put a barbed wire fence. I mean, yeah, it's a church. It's just, I mean, would it work? Yes. Is it practical? No. So um, we recommended putting um, the anti-bird deterrent up. So if you know what I'm talking about, they have, um, oh, it's usually on like parking lot lights and stuff where they don't want birds to land. So they put these, it almost looks like nails. Stick it up, small nails. 
So that was a recommendation there is to line that top of the roof with with those nails or those pokey things. So if somebody were to grab and to lift themselves up, they'd hit those nails or those spikes. But yet, if 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 somebody needed to get up there for maintenance, you could put a ladder up, step over it, you know. And it was something that you put these these little nails are are not not very big, so people really there would be not noticeable, you know. It was something just a little bit of Google, Google it, you know. Google Google can be your friend, um, <laughs> and and find stuff out, you know. And it was it was an easy, um, cheap you know, inexpensive way for them to be able to do that and alleviate a lot of service. So, I mean, I'm always learning. I've been doing this for 30 years and I'm still, you know, oh my gosh, I work at a, at a college, you know, but I still, you're all, you can never stop learning. Amen. Sure. Scott, you wanted to, to jump yeah, in. Um, I just want to make sure that um, we're getting the point across that these assessments are not focus solely on the active shooter. This is for other things as well. Uh, I just read an article recently um, in the Christian Emergency Network that is saying that as of February 1st of this year, vandalism throughout the country at houses of worship is on a tremendous rise. And some of the things that Jason talks about when he goes through and does these assessments is geared not totally toward that active shooter, but toward the entire property. And I think that's important to realize that the assessment is not just focusing on the active shooter. Risk now, we've mitigation. Had a, here in Northeast Wisconsin, we've had a burglary through a steeple. So they shimmied up and scurried down through the steeple or the bell tower. Um, we've had a medical emergency where the person stepped on the gas in their car and drove through the church as it was in session and, and landed inside of the church with their car. We've had a burglary where uh, a fire was started inside of a church. We've had thefts. Um, fortunately, knock on wood, God bless that we have not had an act of threat or a violent act. Um, but you're more than likely to have some sort of property crime. Um, and we look at that, you know, if, if oftentimes it is the active shooter that gets us in the door. But yeah. if I'm going to be out there for a couple hours walking around, if I'm going to be putting, you know, three, four hours putting a report together, I'm going to look at everything and do it right and give them a package. Um, you know, if we're going to be taking all of our time doing that, let's, let's give them everything and work on preventing everything. Sure. And that's great. Even from somebody externally, sometimes I think we're all in a bubble and we can walk past that same open door 17 times. And to us, it's not, it, it's not jumping out at us or something wrong is not, it's not, a doesn't look right to us. It's a, well, it's always like that. Right. But somebody else can look at it and ask the, perhaps not, maybe it's not seven wise, but they might start asking why. And we get to that root cause again. And I think that's important. I was walking the perimeter of my church this morning and we noticed a little piece of flashing on one of the back doors is shimmied a little bit jammed as if somebody tried to break in. Well, I'm not surprised. There's a large contingent of, of homeless in the Austin, Texas area. We just went through sub-zero temperatures of which, heck, the people in their houses are not prepared, let alone those that are in, un, not in houses. Right. And yet somebody tried to jam open the back door. Thing, what they didn't know is that door literally goes nowhere. It's the back wall of our stage inside there. So they got nowhere with it, but we have to notice those things. And so that's not just in an assessment that says, hey, you know what? This door might be vulnerable, as in the proactive look, but in the, the reactive as we go around and say, you know what? Somebody tried to get in there. What do we have to do? Okay, that one's fine because if they got beyond it, it's not a risk. But what if they shimmied that door? What would we do? And start proactively planning for those contingencies and then actively mitigating. I think one of the one of the great things about that is in probably what they're doing with that report. When I talk to different churches and I'm giving them different advice when they're asking questions, I try to frame everything I come back to them with in three buckets. Act, recommend, discuss. 
Act is something that says, look, I've seen this across every church. Uh, this is a best practice. You should do this in order to line up to best practice. Recommend. We highly recommend you do this because it's best practice. But it's we understand that there could be certain mitigating circumstances, things and decisions in your church, et cetera, that may have led to why this is this way. So we understand that. Discuss is just this, just that. Let's have a conversation and say, you know, we hope that we can find a way to work around this this piece and discuss it. But we understand, again, it's your house of worship. It's your church. It's your, uh, there's, there's circumstances that led to decisions, or they might never have actually covered it. So that discussion may be the first time to chat about it. For sure. I, I think that uh, it's definitely, if you do that, and, and and again, I know a lot of churches that have have kind of skipped that step because they they've made the choice and said, you know what, we we've had our own folks walk around and assess it because we've been here for years and we know how to do it. And the reality is even just having getting away from that checklist like that you were talking about earlier, Scott, and and realizing that, you know, someone that's never been there can see different things and different aspects and have different opinions that in itself is is worth the value of having someone come out. Um, I mean, certainly my, my recommendation would be if, and I know you guys feel the same way, if you're going to have someone come out, make sure that they're, they have the experience of doing that to back it up versus somebody just coming out with a, a you know, the insurance company provides all sorts of checklists. I mean, you can walk around and do that, but the insurance company doesn't always um, think of what, environmental factors would be like what's your neighborhood look like okay the you know that's that's not on the checklist that's a you know if your church um like our my church is actually in a in a pattern or path of uh, of homeless folks and so last summer we had probably six or seven different instances where homeless folks came through and we're trying to break in we're trying to um, get into some of our church vehicles and, you know, do all of this stuff. Now we help them. And I mean, we, we are, um, we have a homeless shelter in downtown Columbus, but at the same time, you know, again, that's, that's more of a neighborhood based realization that a lot of times somebody that has just the checklist, isn't looking at, you know, what's, what's going on in, in the neighborhood, what's happening, um, you know, are you a high crime area? That information, I mean, you can go on most public record. I mean, I know I can go on the city of Columbus's website and pull up all the crimes that's happened, you know, in my, in my neighborhood. And certainly there's, there's different apps that you can use to follow what's going on. Um, I have actually, I have a, a, a police and a, a fire app for the city of Columbus that tells me, you know, every time there's a, you know, an emergency call or something like that, okay, here's what's going on in our neighborhood next to the church. Does that impact the church at all? Um, you know, we had a car accident a few years ago. We had a car accident happen in front of our church and it hit a, uh, a gas main and it actually shut down all of our, our service on a Wednesday night because um, after the fire department had blocked off the road waiting for the gas company there was no way for anybody to get into church. So, I mean, stuff like that, it happens. But someone, my point, I guess, is just someone coming in from the outside um, that has had that experience has a, a, a bigger tendency to look at that from a broad picture and not just that, I guess, that checklist mentality. Well, and even to expand on that is the networking and knowing what's going on. And that's where Scott's group they would save. Yeah. Is is all of these churches, you know, we have a clearinghouse that we can share information. It's no different than in law enforcement. We have in Wisconsin, we have the Low Wisconsin Law Enforcement Network and the fusion centers that that share what's going on because crime doesn't know just one jurisdiction, just one congregation. You know, sure. they're very successful. Scott just shared a, um, scams. 
that were running around up north on the border between us and uh, and, and the UP. You know, so these scammers are going to be very successful at one parish. They're going to start hitting others. So that's where I'll turn it over to Scott, though, because that's his thing. But but sharing that information is huge. Well, one of the most cost-effective tactics in the crime prevention is communication. We talked about it before. Open lines of communication, networking with people. Uh, this safe or safe and faith-filled environments actually got started about two and a half years ago. Uh, and it started out at the first church and safety conference, um, John Flannery, one of the original uh, organizers of the conference, thought, why don't we see if there's people that want to be involved in a closed email group that we can share information, not for general dissemination, but things that are happening that, you know, certain maybe teams or people need to be aware of. That started out with 20 people. As of two days ago, I'm now at 187 individuals statewide, uh, two out of state, and including the houses of worship or breaking it down by house of worship in the state. I have 133 houses of worship that are participating in SAFE. Um, that's, that's it's twofold. There is the email, closed email group that we share pertinent information with. And then there's also a newsletter that we started about oh, a year ago. Um, Jason and I basically bounce things off of one another and that goes out as well. Um, and the way it works is the people in that email group will contact me. Now, most recently, I had an individual at a church here in the Green Bay area reach out to me about some groups that were, they share a parking lot with the church. Uh -huh. There are some open businesses in there and they had some issues and they were looking for feedback of what they could do. I put the law enforcement hat on and kind of explain to them what their options are. Uh, and, you know, you kind of go from there. But Jason mentioned that scam. Uh, I got wind of it, as he said, in the upper part of the state. And when I threw it out in the email group, I got a bounce back from somebody right here in our backyard in the village of Howard who said that they've had their parishioners fall into the same scam. It's important to get this out there. Too many times, our, I think our houses of worship, uh, they tend to operate in their own little bubble, and they don't share information. My church is a prime example. They didn't yeah. want to do that. Uh, and we have to, we got to get them to break that and have active lines of communication. That's the only way that we can provide safe places of worship for all. Yep. Well, and that's, it's interesting you say that because, yeah, and I remember when, when I was at the last conference talking to several churches up there um, and it, it, it was interesting. And I, and I've talked to folks down here uh, for sure before too, but what always gets me is that people are like, well, that's not my, you know, that's not my denomination. Right, <laughs> we're gonna, right. You know, we're going to stay where we're going to stay. And yet <clears throat> to me, I mean, we're our church, the church I go to is a, a larger one uh, in size. And across the street from us, th there has been a, a Methodist church there for years. Um, we're considered, I guess we're considered an independent Baptist church. And the reality is, um, you know, there's, there's, been things that have happened where I've, I've walked across the street and said, Hey guys, I'm just giving you a heads up. And you know, everybody looks at me like I'm crazy and weird. And I'm like, look, if somebody's if somebody's that concerning to me coming here to do something, what's to stop them from going across the street too. And I think, uh, I think you're absolutely right. Once we get past that mentality, um, I think, I think churches will be a lot more safe because it's not about, 
and so many times I hear people saying, well, I don't, I don't want to pull somebody from another congregation or church or whatever. And it's like, that's not what it's about. What it's about is making sure that in the community, that faith is represented and it's represented safely for whoever goes there. So it's the same thing. I mean, law enforcement, you know, us in law enforcement, we don't care what the patch says on each other's <laughs> shirt or what color the squad car is. We have the same job and the same mm-hmm. stuff happens Amen. in each community. Yeah. It's yep. the same with churches. It doesn't matter what denomination or what I mean it's it's the same thing. We're it not goes McDonald's. Back to that ultimate goal. <laughs> it goes back to the ultimate prevention. We just want yeah. to prevent this. You know, yep. that's the thing. And so many programs miss out on that. It's like, geez, we need to prevent. Prevent this stuff from happening. And the more stuff that we can do, be it the assessments, be it the sharing um um, intel or information through SAFE, uh, you know, and even the trainings. It just prevents the darn thing from happening. A church needs to be a safe place. A church needs to be a place where we can go and forget about everything else that's going on in the world. I mean, good Lord, what's going on? It's terrible, you know, but <laughs> I mean, a church really needs to be a place where you leave everything at the door and go in and just chill. For sure. You know? I, uh, as we as we wrap up real quick, and, and I'll let uh, let Scott wrap up too. Um, I do want to mention I did post a link, and because of the college and COVID and everything, you guys are actually moving the class online uh, this year instead of doing a conference. It looks like you kind of split it up into a three part series. Yeah, it's actually something different. We we're not moving the conference online because that would be too big, and and. Technology and I are parting ways, um, so I don't even want to try that. <laughs> My colleague here had issues getting his video on. So I mean, you know, so, <laughs> knuckleheads in Wisconsin here, but um, I've been trying to get classes online, and I'm just not an online guy. Yeah, and I've had this idea since COVID started to do these webinars. Well, you can see how my life has been. About a year into COVID, I finally um, have gotten it. But but basically what we ended up doing, um, I did a series of talks for school district administrators, six of them. Um, I just kind of lumped them together into three sessions and put a church tweet on it. Um, but, but we cover everything from an overview to detection, prevention, how do we react and then ultimately how do we recover um so just three hour long 45 minutes to an hour and then i think people are getting zoomed out and and webexed out <laughs> so i didn't want to do it too long um but we are i we're itching to get back and to have this house of worship conference we just skated a right we had that in just before the ceiling collapsed on on us last year yeah, um, but I mean, my phone's been ringing off the hook to get folks back. So we, um, I can't wait next next year. You know, we'll be we'll um, be back at it. Well, we'll definitely. I I did share the link in the comments, and uh, I I would definitely encourage anyone that's listening to check that out. And as we get closer to the dates, we'll definitely share share that posting because I mean it's it's fifteen dollars and. I think the content, honestly, is, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. It doesn't even cover your cost of time for doing it. And the the content, uh, I think, would be very beneficial to, to anybody. So uh, we'll definitely share that. Scott, you, I'll throw it over to you. You wanted to add something. Yeah, just, um, just to give you an idea of the makeup of the individuals that participate in SAFE, that bounce information back and forth. I have 19 different members of the clergy. I have two chiefs of police. I have two law enforcement supervisors, three sheriffs in the uh, three county sheriffs, the FBI special agent in charge of the state of Wisconsin, two of his agents, uh, and a regional director of the International Conference of Police Chaplains. Uh-huh. There, there are so many people that want to be involved in it, and the information that it's not just taking the information from the people that are sending it to me. 
I'm getting it from Department of Homeland Security, from InfraGuard, from the Southeast Wisconsin uh, Threat Assessment Center, um, from you. Uh, I'm constantly watching what you're, what you're throwing out there and, and sharing it. it. It's all about that communication. For sure. I know. And I, I definitely, I know there's been a few times, I mean, I live in Columbus and I hadn't even seen that the, the film <laughs> that the two of you sent me about the church in Columbus. And I'm like Googling it and I'm like, what is going on? My, my friends up in Wisconsin are sending me stuff that's happening 10 minutes away from me before, but you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and the nice thing about it is, is there's no cost. I mean, I know you guys, you know, you do your best to, and beyond your best to, to offer, you know, offer quality content, quality classes, quality information at almost no cost whatsoever. And I mean, we do the, we do the same with information, but, um, you know, I've taken several classes through, uh, through CTED and, and uh, Northeast Wisconsin Technical College. And I can tell you, it's not, like when Jason says he's going to do a webinar, it's not like a two minute webinar. It's like, this is solid, solid, solid information. So it's, it's definitely worth checking out those two resources and um, go on, go on Facebook. Actually, I did share the link for safe so people can go on there and check it out. Um, and then uh, if you have any questions, further questions about that, feel free to reach out to, to us and I can get you in contact with uh, one of the guys or, uh, I can pass along their information. So I'm going to definitely appreciate you guys coming on tonight. I'm going to toss it over to Mike for some closing thoughts and he'll pray us out and we'll, we'll call it a night. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thank you, gentlemen. I, I know we could probably go on for another hour or two and go into <laughs> as many rabbit holes as, as perhaps uh, you have pages in those reports, Jason, but uh, at, at, at the same point, I think there's so many, there's so much rich uh, content here in what came out tonight and appreciate what you gentlemen are doing in uh, northern Wisconsin. I echo what James has said. And and to your point, Scott, is, is uh, people just uh, that are in our capacity, if you're on a safety team somewhere, you don't need permission to go talk to the church across the street. Just go and be a disciple and go talk to them. They're another fellow human being. They're another person who's trying to serve in the capacity of taking care of the flock. Just open the door and get started. So I applaud you gentlemen and what you guys are doing and appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks With that, us. absolutely. With that, let's, let's pray us out and, and we'll go from there. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to put forward content in, in helps of facilitating a church services all over this country in delivering upon that objective. We are facilitators, we are protectors, but we're there trying to create safe environments. And those safe environments, Lord, sometimes requires that proactivity, that communication, that going above and beyond what we do and checking those boxes on Sunday. So bless the folks that are, are here listening tonight. We thank you for that, the chance to reach more people. And we thank you for our guests who, who are, are, are doing so much work, not just in Wisconsin, but all over and impacting not just churches, but beyond that. And we ask you to bless them, in, not only in the week ahead, but in that continued journey as they help uh, continue to do your work, Lord, and help churches be safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So just a quick reminder as we wrap up, join us next Sunday night at, uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we will, uh, I think next week, we're going to actually have a, uh, an ER doctor on, and he's going to be talking about some first aid, first aid things. Uh, schedule permitting, uh, but also check out our website for additional resources and the Miracle on 4th Street movie coming out this Friday on demand uh, about Sutherland Springs. So take care. Uh, as always, reach out to us if you need anything, and we'll talk to you uh, next week. Thanks for watching. Thank you for joining the Church Safety Guys broadcast. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback. Looking for ways you can help us reach more churches? Share our broadcast with your teams. Consider becoming a monthly ministry partner. Like and share our page and join the discussion in our Facebook groups. 
visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com for other great resources. Remember to keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and semper disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.